This podcast was recorded from our weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and we have a really fun conversation in store for you today. We're talking all about feng shui. I've always been someone who's loved interior design, but there are a lot of ways that you can infuse your intention into your home that can actually help you find more balance, abundance, and just overall ease in life. So we have Christina Hollinger joining us this morning. She's going to give us all the, the best tips she has and also kind of help us find out where to start with feng shui because I don't know about you, but it seems a little bit daunting when you don't know about it yet. So let's dive right into our conversation. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here and just watching that intro video has me all pumped up. Like I love what you're doing here. Oh, well, that's the goal. I'm glad that it got you in the in the right vibe. Um, I have been following your work for a while because I know you do a lot of partnerships with the Astro Twins, my favorite astrologers. And I've always been curious about feng shui, but like I said, it, it is a little bit daunting when you don't understand the elements in Chinese culture or, you know, it can just feel a little bit like, where do I start? So I'm really excited to get your expertise on the matter and learn how you discovered feng shui. But I love to start all of these conversations with a look at my guest's birth chart. I think it's more fun than you reading your resume or listing off all your accomplishments. <laughs> I love this. This is great. Okay, great. So I know like you work with the Astro Twins, so I'm sure you ha are very familiar with your birth chart. So as we're pulling this up and talking about it, if there's anything you want to point out, feel free to jump right in. Okay, thank you. Okay, <laughs> so we know that you are a Libra. I kind of had a feeling you would be a Libra with how aesthetically pleasing your life is and especially your Instagram feed, very aesthetically pleasing. Um, <laughs> but you also have your Mercury conjunct your sun in Libra. So you have like a really beautiful expression and this is all happening in your sixth house. Um, so you're probably pretty detail oriented when it comes to how you show up, how you present yourself and how you communicate as well. Um, and then your moon is in Aries. So you were probably born around a full moon um, with your moon opposing your sun. And it's really interesting because Libras are fairly easygoing. They tend to be very diplomatic, but your Aries moon, there's some like fire inside that people probably don't get to see unless they know you pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's kind of funny because the first person who ever read my chart was Opie from the Astro Twins. And it was the first time I knew that there's different planets all throughout the chart. I had no idea about anything except for the fact that I was a Libra. And one thing she told me, was when she said that my moon's in Aries, 
She said, so is Gabby Bernstein's. And I love her work. And she has this passion about her in everything she teaches. And I feel very similarly in that aspect. Absolutely. I love Gabby Bernstein as well. And Gabby's actually a Scorpio. You have a stellium in Scorpio. Um, so you have kind of a lot of Scorpio energy too. You have your Venus, your Saturn, and I believe your Pluto in Scorpio as well. So it's interesting because Scorpios love depth. They crave like depth of knowledge, which is interesting. Like you kind of dove deep into feng shui. And also there's kind of this level of spirituality when we talk about Scorpio placements. So, um, you know, wanting to understand things, get to the bottom of things, and also connect to some sort of power greater than ourselves or energy. Scorpio is all about energy as well. Now, your rising is opposite those Scorpio placements in Taurus. So, you have a ton of Venus energy. Your ruling planet is Venus, which happens to be in Scorpio. Um, and then your sun is in Libra, which is also ruled by Venus. Venus is all about beauty. So, again, it makes sense that you have found this way to create beauty and harmony and balance in your life through feng shui. But you also, as a Taurus rising, probably come off very grounded, down to earth, kind of chill when people first meet you. Then when they get to know you, that's when the Aries moon comes out and maybe you're a little bit more fiery or want to, like, amp up the party a little bit. <laughs> For sure. And then um, you have your Jupiter in Capricorn and your Midheaven in Capricorn, which just brings tons of abundance to your career. And, um, you know, being a leader is going to help you reach your highest potential in your career. And uh, it's interesting because you're a teacher, right? And Capricorn is known as the teacher of the Zodiac. So with all of the, you have some energy in Sagittarius too, but Capricorn being that authority really is going to help you gain abundance in your life. Yeah, no matter how hard I try, I just can't step down from leadership positions. They just keep finding me. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's that Jupiter in Capricorn for sure. And I think your Mars is in Capricorn too. Um, yeah, it's right at two degrees in Capricorn. So again, there's a lot of energy, like leadership energy, like you're a natural leader with your, your Mars in Capricorn. And then your North Node is in your first house in Taurus as well. So the direction you're heading in life is very much showing up. And, you know, your physical presence is helping you come closer to your purpose, the lessons you're trying to learn in this life. Also, I think all of this Taurus and Libra energy is just like, screaming interior design at me you know what i mean like both taurus and libra are very much about creating comfort in the home creating balance in the home harmony in the home um, all the libras and tauruses i know have beautiful homes so makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah i cannot stray away from it i i worked with Alison victoria on windy city rehab with the intention of helping her infuse feng shui with her design didn't work out that way it actually ended up working with her and doing a feng shui space clearing on the season finale of season two. So it was just as good. It was the highest good of all. It's what she needed. It's what, you know, what needed to be done at that moment for her. So I was grateful that she gave me that opportunity. But overall, what you're saying is just, it resonates so deeply because I, I have collaborated with interior designers. In fact, my home office where I'm sitting right now was a, uh, is a product of a collaboration, feng shui plus, plus interior design with my friend Allison Ruda, who is here in Chicago. So yeah, it totally makes sense what you're saying. <laughs> you know, once I started understanding my own birth chart better too, my second house is ruled by Libra and I have a ton of planets in Libra. I have a stellium in Libra and something clicked for me like, oh, collaborating with other people is going to bring me money. It's going to bring me abundance. And I'm a, I'm a Virgo. So I'm very much like, I got to do it all on my own a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But realizing that, leaning into that Libra energy, collaborating has really um, opened my eyes to so many new possibilities. And it sounds like, you know, your sun in Libra, your Mercury in Libra, a lot of these projects you're doing are collaborative. And of course, you have this beautiful office behind you. And, you know, it seems like even more collaborations are on the horizon for you. Woohoo! Yeah, I feel like <laughs> a lot of big things are happening happening so this is so nice what a special treat to be a guest and then get your chart read like hello this is like right up my alley my <laughs> all of my scorpio signs are very happy right now 
I have a Scorpio moon too. So you can see why I love doing this. I'm like, I need to go straight in with people, dissect their lives before we start the the small talk. <laughs> yeah. And you brought up the Astro twins and they have a Scorpio moon as well. Interesting. Don't enough. I know it? Don't I know <laughs> it? I love those ladies. <laughs> yes. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about your birth chart before we dive into your story? Oh, one other thing. Also, Beyonce has a Scorpio moon as well, because I just interviewed Ophie on my podcast and she was talking about how she read Beyonce's chart and like they could have talked for hours because Scorpio moons just want to go so in depth, you know? <laughs> the fact that they have talked to Beyonce, I'm like, basically, I have talked to them. They have talked to Beyonce. I have <laughs> talked to Beyonce by association. Beyonce is also a Virgo too. So I'm like, it's it's an honor to share more. Oh with her <laughs> so i'm basically talking to beyonce right no i, I love mean, it i, I love say it that. <laughs> no right. i know i just think that this i think astrology is a fascinating and um it's it's incredible how even though yes i practice feng shui i'm just i love incorporating new manifesting tools into my life and i so I saw that you had Felicia Bender on your show. She's my numerologist. Like I'll, I'll make like yearly appointments with her. She reads my yearly numerology chart. And I just feel like as a feng shui practitioner, one part of the magic of this work is that it has helped me to manifest and connect with spiritual teachers here on earth. So I've connected with astrologers, numerologists, um, and, and just different learning all these different methodologies that can help help me to expand into the greatest version of myself. I think we all do come with roadmaps to some degree. And it's not just astrology that's going to help us. There's a lot of other methods. But I mean, we do have a lot of opportunity to connect with many teachers on this earth plane that are going to help us to understand our life purpose better. And literally what you just exemplified right there is like a perfect example of how, you know, you're extending this service, reading someone's chart and really affirming that, yes, you're on the right path. It's just such a beautiful thing. I love it. Oh, thank you. It's funny too. I'm sure you've noticed this on your own journey as you start to open up to really any form of spiritual practice, I think, whether it's astrology, feng shui, you know, there is a spiritual element behind these things. It's almost like, the universe opens you up to like a flood of resources, little by little, you know, but it's funny, the minute you decide, okay, I'm open to this, how many other things start to enter your sphere, you know? It's awesome. It's, it's an awesome journey. I mean, it's not always the most pleasant to, to hear things. In fact, one modality that I tapped into this year was something called astrocartography. I got oh, a yeah. reading from a feng shui astrologer who basically read my chart and then of course my whole family's because I needed to know the best location for us to live. And it wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear, but it was also really good to know. It was good to know which locations on this earth I am gonna flourish and which locations I'm gonna have some struggles. And I think you, as an astrologer, you might think this is interesting. I found out that where I live, out, right outside of Chicago, I'm on my Venus line, which is, you know, this amazing, romantical, everything's beautiful kind of space to be in. And I'm also on my Saturn line. So I've got like this duality of like the challenges, right? So I'm like, that explains a lot. <laughs> That's amazing, actually, especially with Venus being your ruling planet and, you know, just reading your bio on your website. I know you're outside of Chicago and Chicago is really where a lot of these modalities were unlocked and introduced to you. So, you know, Saturn, Saturn gets a, a bad rep, but it is here to teach us lessons and kind of push us towards our path. And so it makes total sense. The thing I've, I've looked at my astrocartography chart, I haven't done a full reading. And I was like, there's nothing going through my current location. Like, what does that mean? You know, I've, I've been really interested to get a reading. So I'll have to. Yeah, you'll have to ask me for his information. He's in his 70s. He's been around for a while doing this, but that, I, I thought it was really interesting. So I would definitely give you his information. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. Okay, so let's talk about 
how you got into feng shui. Have you always considered yourself a spiritual person or been into, you know, Chinese astrology, Western astrology, or was it totally new to you when you first were introduced to it? So this is such an interesting question because I'm 37 and I feel like I've been doing this forever and I feel like I've been spiritual forever. And yet it, this is so fresh on my brain. I just interviewed Dr. Wayne Dyer's daughters for my podcast. So it's like fresh on my brain. I remember when I first was introduced to his work with the power of intention, I was in my early twenties listening to it on a CD. And that was sort of, of my extent of spirituality um and then fast forward to 2012 i was living in the south loop of chicago with my husband we had just gotten married i had a brand new teaching job a workout regimen that kept me busy things really seemed to be looking perfect from the outside and yet deep down i felt like something was missing and i longed for something more and part of me chalked it up to maybe this like post-wedding blues. I didn't have anything to plan anymore. And maybe that was what that dip was. But I think ultimately we all strive to feel fulfilled. And I just wasn't getting that in the moment. I guess I was looking outside of myself. And truly, I did look outside of myself. I looked around our South Loop apartment. We had really huge floor-to-ceiling windows. It was this loft, you know, with the exposed um ceiling and everything and i just felt like you know this is really cold and industrial feeling and i wanted to make it more homey and feel more welcoming and so as i was deciding on paint colors and kind of choosing decor i stumbled upon feng shui through a google search and what really caught my attention was this thing called the bagua map and what i learned very quickly was that each area of your home represents a different area of your life. So you have a wealth area, you have a relationship area, a career area, etc. And once I realized that, I was all in. Because how empowering is it? If you're not happy with your money and your finances, target that area of your home, deck it out, fix it up, make it look good, and then see what manifests, right? So that's what got me hooked. I functioned our apartment within six months. My husband got an unexpected promotion. We found out we were having our first baby and we ended up moving into our first home. And essentially the way I describe it is life got unstuck. And I decided what, of course, to feng shui our new house and then a series of second manifestations sort of started rolling in where I got this inspiration to teach others about feng shui. So that's when I got certified at the feng shui school of Chicago. But what really got me there was that for so long, I was very successful being a Google guru. I called myself because I figured everything out on my own going on Google. And when I went to the feng shui school of Chicago, it opened up my eyes to a whole nother world of there was so many more traditional methods and invisible cures and things that I didn't know about. And yeah, that's when I decided I got to write my book. I wrote my book, Teaching from the Heart with Feng Shui. And um, it's just been kind of a whirlwind for the past decade since then. I, I want to talk about what you learned at, you said it was the um, feng shui school of Chicago, right? Because mm -hmm. feng shui, I mean, even you look at the word and it's very clearly not American or Western, you know, and how important was it to you to learn from people who were really rooted in the tradition of feng shui? Because this is something that's, you know, thousands of years old, right? These beliefs and practices. I'm so glad you're asking that question. It's super important. So the school of feng shui that I am certified in came to the United States in the 1980s from a man called Professor Thomas Lin Yun. He was born in China, started practicing feng shui as early as five years old, <laughs> and he brought it to the United States. <clears throat> I mean, he, he spoke at Harvard and Stanford, and I mean, he was very well known and very well respected in the United States. Lori Pauly, who was my teacher, learned directly from Professor. And he had passed away by the time I started my certification. And 
it's just, I'm so glad you're asking me about this because it is so important for me to honor the lineage. And I like to tell people that I believe feng shui is actually pretty simple. Like I think in feng shui, so it's really easy for me to like help people and try to simplify it. I'm a teacher. I want it to be more accessible. And yet I'm very cautious about like, you can't just get all of the information from Instagram or even from my book. I actually, I, I like to joke and not joke, but I say like everything I know is in this book. And yet there's actually even more probably <laughs> that I can't talk about um, unless it's from professor. But the last thing I want to say about that question is that people tend to get a little bit confused. Like when I was a learner of feng shui, I would get confused because if you look at the Bagua map, there's two different schools and there's a compass method, which is the traditional method that uses all the compass directions. And then there's the school that I practice called BTB. It's called the front door method. And it's a little bit more modern and user-friendly. So I just want to clarify that everything I share today is from that BTB school that came to China, from China to the U.S. in the 1980s. So like I said, user-friendly, and I like to just be that teacher that I wish I had when I first learned. And I have a Bagua map from your website to pull up. We'll get into that in just a second. But I'm really curious, you're a teacher, uh, or you were at this point, I don't know if you still teach, but did you start to feng shui your classrooms as well? That's a really good question too. Uh, yes, I did. And actually, when I talk about it in my book, Teaching from the Heart with Feng Shui, Inspired Living for Teachers, Parents, and Kids, it's four parts. One part is particularly particularly for teachers in their classroom. But what I would say is for any educators or anyone looking to make significant changes in their life, I always suggest to start at home first because home is where you recharge. It's your sanctuary. It's your safety net from the outside world. And so once I really got into feng shui our home space, that's when I integrated it in my classroom. I had one really powerful, amazing, dynamic year in my sixth grade class. And that was the year that my superintendent knocked on my door and asked me to become an administrator. So of course the feng shui worked and then I went into school leadership. And yeah, that's kind of, that's a whole other story. But yeah, I did it feng shui in my classroom and I've taught other teachers and school administrators how to do, do it as well. And I love how the universe just knocked on your door and was like, nope, you need to be in a leadership position with your midheaven and your Jupiter and Capricorn. <laughs> mm -hmm. So spot on. Um, so I have to ask, when you feng shui a classroom or really any space other than your home, did you notice a difference in your students when the classroom was kind of in a more balanced state? Absolutely. There, there were very few... If no behaviors that year, which is astounding. Um, and also, and I talk about in my book, I get the atmosphere, I didn't talk about feng shui. And I think that that's kind of, I, ho I hope there's not a stigma behind it. But if some people are like, oh, feng shui, that's super woo, or, you know, it's, that's a different, that's a practice from other cultures, like people don't really use it anymore. Like, it really is truly just working with your space, so that it looks good and it feels good and I like to tap into the manifesting piece of it so my students like they would have classroom jobs that we would rotate and every student had a job and we would just keep the classroom clean and I would lift the shades to let light in so that because light fresh natural you know fresh air and sunshine are natural chi or energy boosters that we need to tap into and it's amazing because so many people not just teachers in classrooms but many people will keep their shades drawn and not let that light in so it's those little shifts that really make a profound impact even having like a fresh plant in the classroom or at your desk if you're working at a cubicle it's going to make a huge difference so as we're talking about all these little elements you can incorporate i'm curious what are the main principles or kind of the founding principles of feng shui how did it become to come to be and how who the first person who discovered feng shui or um, started writing about feng shui what 
where did it come from? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Well, the very first form of feng shui a couple thousand years ago is called the form school of feng shui, where there were these ideas that like, you're going to have more strength, more energetic power with a mountain behind you and the water in front of you. And there were just different things that possibly were true because maybe you would have a more abundant harvest if you were a farmer and you placed your your crops in a certain specific area. So it, it goes deep, but the way that I see it, and even Albert Einstein explained this in so many words, everything is energy. You and I are made up of energy and even like non-living things, our books, our desks, a mirror, is all we're all made up of particles and when you try to you know look at a particle at the very very smallest piece you scientists still haven't been able to figure out what's holding all those protons neutrons electrons together it's energy and with that in mind it's very Marie Kondo you know like very much like everything has energy and can bring you joy or it can make you not feel so great right so there's these there's this concept that everything in our environment is going to influence us and we can shift the story and change the narrative by shifting our home and then there's also like energy tests so for example like right now i have a solid wall behind me it's not an actual mountain but it it, it serves as an energetic mountain behind me for more confidence and clarity and you can actually do this energy test where you stand in the middle of a room with nothing behind you and you try to push down someone's arm and it will it'll fall really easily down then you stand with a mountain behind you or a wall behind you and you can literally tell that the person's energy their arm will not be able to be pushed down so it's somewhere i know this is kind of a long-winded answer but this whole concept of feng shui is that everything is energy so it's kind of about like quantum physics and i also think there's some a little bit of psychology to it as well because this manifesting stuff it really works it's so funny that you touched on all of that because i was looking through your website, kind of creating notes before our conversation. A, I wrote down Marie Kondo to ask you about, you know, her method and if it's rooted in feng shui or there's alignment with feng shui, and obviously it is. And also I wrote um, energy and psychology because it, it really seems to me, of course, I'm not the expert, that there is kind of this, um, these elements of energy, right? And then also psychology. And the reason I wrote psychology is because I know um, in your work, there's such a thing called the commanding position in the room, right? And, um, and it has to do with like your position to the door. And part of me is wondering, you can explain the commanding position too, but part of me is wondering, you know, over thousands of years, we passed down DNA from our ancestors and in a primal sense, you know, being in a safe position in your home could save your life thousands of years ago. You know what I mean? Um, kind of this like survival instinct that's almost infused into feng shui. Absolutely. Sometimes when you think about feng shui, it actually can be just common sense things that you just don't necessarily think about. So what you're talking about, the command position essentially means that when you are seated, you can see the entryway from where you're sitting. So you don't have like, and ideally you're not directly in line with the door or the entry. You're kind of a little off to the side. Um, from where I'm seated right now, if I just turn to my left, I see the door, but I don't actually, I don't actually see, like I see the doorknob, but I don't actually see the door. So I put a mirror across so I can actually see the door through the mirror, if that makes sense. There's just these things that you can do to make sure that like the, the intention is that no one's going to sneak up on you. And so your body is more at ease and you're more relaxed. And you can even sit yourself in the command position at a, um, a coffee shop or a restaurant. It's so funny you say that because my dad is like the least spiritual person on the planet, but he grew up with a dad who was in the military and like always, he has this weird thing. Anytime we're at a restaurant, he has to be in a position where he can see the door. And he was always very much teaching me about like protecting myself and like kind of being in a commanding position. But when I read that, I was like, 
huh, it almost feels like there's like this military influence with the the command position, you know what I mean? And just a lot of ways people are kind of using feng shui without even realizing it. Absolutely. And so I would just say if you have any big pitch to give or if you have a huge meeting or something, anytime you can seat yourself with a solid wall behind you and in a space where you can, like, for example, when we, when I first learned about the command position, my husband's desk was just up against a wall because we thought it made the room feel bigger because, you know, the desk was against the wall. And when we switched his desk around, so he was outward facing into the room, it made a huge difference. In fact, he got a, he got a new job after moving his desk. And I have so many stories about moving his desk around and then new jobs manifesting for him. Like that's, feng shui has really worked for my husband. He, he doesn't like ever argue, like he doesn't like ask me to do anything feng shui related, but he totally doesn't stop me either because he's experienced all these like magical results from it. So he just lets me keep going with it. I'm going to have to keep my partner from listening to this because we had a battle for the longest time about the desk. We have like a, our, our living room is split up into his office in the living room. It's kind of more of an open floor plan right there. And for a long time, I had it up against the wall because I was like, it just looks better. It's better for the space. And he was like, no, I'm never going to use it here. And finally, he convinced me to move it. It's actually like facing the door and in a more commanding position. And of course, you know. Lots of great things came from that, and he was right. It just took me a long time to admit. <laughs> but my, I'm in my office now, and I'm breaking tons of rules about feng shui, the command position, the door is behind me, I can't see it right now, um, the desk is facing out a window. But I know you mentioned some hacks. I set up the room this way for live streaming to have a certain backdrop, you know what I mean? But you said a mirror could potentially help that. What would you, I know you haven't seen this room and been in this room, but what would you suggest? Well, first of all, I really do love your background. I think it's gorgeous. I love the messaging, be the light, and it's very inviting. So I completely understand why you have it like that. And technically you do have a solid wall behind you in a sense, so you're good. Um, this is actually really common, especially if you're in a cubicle. Um, I, so I do still work in education. I'm a social emotional learning coordinator. So after a couple of years being an administrator, um, I, I pivoted into being a social emotional learning coordinator. Um, and now I have a cubicle. So what I like to do is get like a small locker mirror. You can buy one on Amazon or something like that, or just any kind of mirror and place it on your desk so that you can see behind you. It's really that I love simple. That. It, it doesn't like necessarily, I, I usually try to suggest cures or adjustments that don't look out of the ordinary and strange so the more discreet you can be the better i feel like that's just one that it's fine like if no i don't think anyone will totally be bothered by the fact that you have a little mirror on your desk and then you can see but it'll help you to see behind you I love that. I actually have like a standing mirror on my desk that I have just for like touch ups or to check myself. But now I'm like, okay, I need to put this so it's reflecting the door and I can make sure that nobody's sneaking up on me back there. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then everything, one last thing I just wanted to say yeah. about this is that everything is, it's like also metaphorical as well. So like in feng shui, they'll say, well, if you have your back to the door, then that could also represent somebody sneaking up behind your back or doing something behind your back in business. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that whenever you look at something, you look at it from a literal lens, and then you can also look at it from a symbolic lens as well. I think there's a lot of beauty though um, in, in your work and how you help people adapt their current spaces. Not everybody has the means to go buy a new house or completely like rearrange their home, get new furniture, anything like that. But there's lots of little things you can do that I've noticed that you put content out about or just little tips that you give so it doesn't have to feel so overwhelming. Um, and I think actually this would be a great time to bring up a Bagua map if you're game for it and kind of just basically go over how to use it. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, look at you. <laughs> you got the Bagua map for my book. <laughs> great. So um, explain this to us and how to kind of make sense of it if you're seeing it for the first time. 
Sure. And this is exactly why I wanted to share with you that I practice the BTB school feng shui, which is called front door feng shui. And that makes it really user friendly. We don't worry about compass directions when using this map. When you look at this map, you just think about where's the entrance of your home. And you can lay this map on your entire home or you can lay it on a bedroom. So I'll start with laying it on the main floor of your home and we can kind of go from there if you have more questions. So as you can see, it's kind of hard to read, but it says the wall that contains the main entrance is at the bottom. So your front door is either going to be in the front left area of your home, which is the wisdom and knowledge space, or your front door will be in the front center area of your home, which is the career area, or your front door might be off to the side in the uh, front right area, which is the helpful people travel space. And then I always like to help people identify the power positions because then that really can help you orient yourself. So when you walk into your home, the far back left area of your home is the wealth space and the far back right area of your home is the relationship space. And that's kind of how you read this map. So when I first saw this map, I was like, wow, my house is eerily spot on the way it's laid out to the map. And I, you know, my house is literally a, a tiny little old house built in 1950. And um, it, it's almost laid out in a grid like this. And even the colors I used in most areas are really similar. But the main difference that I have is that uh, you know, you can see this is very purple green in here. This is actually in the relationship sector of my home. And then the bedroom is in the wealth sector of my home. And it's decorated in more like pinks and neutral skin tones. So if somebody is looking at this like, okay, these areas are spot on, but these areas are almost swapped or inverted. What suggestion do you have there? That's really interesting how you bring up all the colors and everything like that. So Okay, let's, let's go with this. When you are trying to activate an area of life, you're going to look at which element is the most supportive in this space. And one thing that I think a lot of people are relieved to know is that the shape, of an, the shape that represents the element is the most important. So it's not like you have to color code your house. Color is important, but shape is actually going to be like the predominant way to represent one of the five elements. So taking your example right now of the relationship area, the relationship area that you're in right now is represented mostly by the earth element. The earth element can be represented in three different ways. It can be represented by the shape of a square or a horizontal rectangle. It could be represented by colors of earth tones, sand tones, skin tones. And then of course, um, for the relationship, some of those like light pink colors also invoke, evoke like that unconditional love. And then the third way to represent earth is through earth element itself, like plants, flowers, um, trying to think maybe crystals could represent earth in some aspects um so hopefully that helps you to understand like you don't have to color code so if you wanted just to use like two square picture frames to really promote equality in your partnerships it could even be work related in your work relationships you could have two square or two horizontal rectangle picture frames to activate the relationships and partnerships in your life. I'm actually holding two rose quartz crystals. This would be perfect in the relationship area. And so then you kind of go around your home and then you think about which element is the predominant element here and then how can I represent each element? Well, while we're on the topic of crystals too, I know crystals are like hugely popular right now. In the past couple of years, I, I have like a problem with buying crystals from my friend who has a crystal shop. I have like, she always does live sales and I'm always buying more crystals. But, you know, I really believe in like the energy they can bring in. How do crystals play into feng shui? So I have been using crystals as well ever since I started practicing feng shui and 
you know, there's different ways that you can use them. I, like I, for example, I just said like the two rose quartz would be perfect for the relationship area, the wealth area on the far back left. Everyone wants to know about wealth. Um, you could use like a purple amethyst crystal in the wealth area because purple is the activating color for wealth. And then of course, any of the wood element would also help activate wealth. And then I'm sure viewers want to know what else activates wealth. The water element in feng shui represents money. So adding some water in the wealth area is also very beneficial in this, in this scenario. Um, so crystals, there's something called a feng shui crystal. It's like this multifaceted crystal. And those are used in a lot of different kinds of like cures for protection. And that's how I've learned to use them. They're also activating and they can activate a gua or area of life with when you use them with intention. And overall, I guess I would just say like I literally on my podcast, I just had a crystal expert because I kind of defer to other people for that expertise. Like I love crystals. I use them. I know how they apply to the bagua, but yeah, I'm not exactly like the crystal expert yet. <laughs> I do love the idea, though, if you're someone who's into crystals and like me, for example, you're like, okay, these areas are really aligning, but I need to infuse this element or this color into these spaces. Crystals are a beautiful way to add color to your space and very aesthetically pleasing, you know, so I'm sure that can kind of help bring in different colors or elements, I would guess. Absolutely. And that is a scenario where maybe you would want to look at the color of the crystal to activate the bagua that way. I love that concept. Like, for example, fame and reputation is at the far back center area of your home. And that is a, the only area that is directly influenced by the fire element. Now, not everyone wants to paint their back wall red. Okay. Like, and I get that, nor should you do that. But you can activate the fire element with the shape of a triangle. You could use the color red, but you could also just use candles. It could be a white candle. It could be nine red tea light candles if you want to get real at really activated. But that's a special area. I, it's one of my favorite spaces to activate because a lot of people who come to me looking for career guidance and career help I actually tell them, don't go to the career yet. Let's go to your fame and reputation because that's all about how the world perceives you and how you're seen by the outside world. So if you want to think about how you want to show up in the world, how do you want clients, potential clients to see you, banks for loans, like how do you want to be perceived by the outside world? This will influence your career. So definitely light a candle in the fame area if you're looking for an interview or a change in job. <laughs> I love that. And I'm, I'm sure also, like I said, my house is like a square. It's almost a basic grid. Um, but what suggestion do you have? For example, my fame and reputation area is mostly taken up by a linen closet. And it, it kind of like breaks up the back half of my house. And there's a lot of closets in that area. And then it they kind of like, I guess, would spread into the rooms on either side. So what do you do if there's like major infrastructure blocking a, a large part of your home? I think this is an awesome question because also not everyone is going to have a perfectly square or perfectly rectangular home and that can lead to some challenges. Just if you have a missing piece in your house, you don't just want to ignore it and pretend like it's not an issue. Like you want to find a way to activate it. So for your example, and this can really go for anyone who has this dilemma in any area of the bagua you could lay this bagua map just on your bedroom and then with your intention make sure that you activate the fame and reputation area of your bedroom so for you olivia like you might not like want to put a triangle in the far back center of your bedroom but what you could do is you could cut out a red piece of paper into the shape of a triangle and this area is activated by the number nine you could write nine powerful intentions for your career for how you are being perceived and you know say whenever you write intentions say them as if they're an affirmation right as if they're already happening and put that triangle behind a picture or put it behind your bed frame if that's where your bed is you know no one has to see it 
And you can do like an invisible adjustment just like that in the fame area. And you can activate the fame area in your living room. When you enter your living room, far back and center, activate that with a candle if, you, if it's appropriate or whatever you want to do. And you can do it in your kitchen. So I really like to share this, especially with people who are missing a piece in their wealth or their relationship. If you are missing that piece or it's kind of a space that you can't really access because it's a closet, activate the wealth area in your bedroom, your kitchen, your living room as much as you can to really set your intention for your wealth. I hope that was kind of clear and helpful. Definitely. So you can bring that into other rooms if you don't have the opportunity to like really mold a room around it. Now, can I just put that little triangular piece of paper in my linen closet? Would that still kind of activate that area? And yes, it would. Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the elements. Something I also realized at the Lunar New Year, um, you know, which is based off of the Chinese Zodiac, is that there are five elements in the Chinese zodiac, we're used to four elements in Western astrology. Um, and that was really surprising to me. So can you just go over the five elements for people who are just getting started and maybe one or two quick ways to infuse those elements into different areas of the home? Yes, absolutely. So this is the five element chart and it kind of shows which elements support each other and which elements destroy each other. And since you brought up astrology, um, Ophi from the Astro Twins and I created a course called Feng Shui for Families. And one of the modules is all about this because what she essentially was able to do is look at the five elements because each person has an element. So for example, we're in the year of the water tiger. And so if anyone was born um, in the year of the water tiger, the last year of the water tiger was 62 years ago. So Tom Cruise is a water tiger and Rosie O'Donnell is a water tiger. So they're the, they have the water element, right? And then I, for example, I'm a wood rat, that my element is wood. And then Ophi is a water rat. <laughs> so we all have these different element personalities. So Elements all have different qualities, and yes, in feng shui, we have the five elements instead of the four, like a typical astrology. And you'll notice that in, in astrology, you have air signs, like hello, Libra, air sign. But um, in feng shui, air is not one of the elements. Um, however, I will say it actually activate air does activate the wealth area. So one of the remedies to activate your wealth is to put a small wind chime inside your wealth area. So the far back left area of your home, you could actually place a wind chime in the home, even if it's not moving, it still represents wind and air and the movement of abundance. So, okay, I digress. Um, <laughs> but back to the elements. So the five elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. Water activates the career area and it's also supported by metal so i think about like a metal bowl holds the water um, fire we talked about activates the fame and reputation and wood feeds into the fire so you could also add the wood element to that space to um to get the results that you desire then you have the earth element this one's big this activates three areas of your life predominantly Earth is great for the relationship area, for your health, and for wisdom and knowledge. And you could add a little fire to any of those spaces because fire creates the ash, which, you know, fire supports earth. And we also have the metal element, which activates children creativity, which I like to say this, this relates to, yes, if you have children, if you have grown children, this is an important space. If you want to conceive, this is a great space. And also, if you are creating something, you want to pay attention to the children creativity space to get clear. It's great for communication, writers, creators. So anyway, metal supports children creativity and the helpful people travel space. And also, the earth element supports that. I know it's a mouthful. I have one more element to cover, and that would be the wood element 
We don't want to forget about that because the wood element is going to activate the wealth area as well as your family area. And water also supports the wood element. Think about a tree, the roots going into the ground, and you need that water to help the tree grow. So it's a supportive element there. I love how you said a lot of it is just common sense because really when you're looking at this wheel, when you're looking at this chart, yes, like fire creates earth, you know, like it, it, it totally makes sense, but it's just something not a lot of people think about. And that kind of brings me to my next question. How much of feng shui do you think is just the power of intention? I feel like you just read my mind because when I first started feng shui, I felt like I was, well, I was so successful. I told you in the very beginning, within six months to a year, my life got completely unstuck. And I found my husband getting a new promote, getting promoted. We had our first baby and bought our first house. And I wasn't a certified feng shui practitioner yet. I didn't even know any of the invisible cures or adjustments or professor's teachings yet. I just knew what I found on the internet, but I can definitely chalk it up to my intention was so powerful and was so strong and whenever people yes there's definitely things that you can kind of do quote unquote wrong but at the same time i just feel like i try to encourage people to just shop their house look around your house to see if you have maybe you have an earth element but it's not like in the right gua so just move it into a different room you know like go shop your house and set your intention. And that's a huge part of it. You always want to set your intention for what it is that you're looking to attract. And then, of course, release it and just trust that the universe and the energy is going to work on your behalf and take care of things. Because many times we get delivered things that we didn't even know we needed. <laughs> like when I was trying, when I first started, I wasn't trying to start a family. I didn't know I even wanted to, you know, start a family at that time. But you know, that's, that's the power of all of this. It's like you, you will get exactly what you need. And you're just doing that first step of showing the universe that you're ready for a change. Absolutely. And do you ever, you know, if you're trying to call sp something specific and do you ever go intentionally spend time in a certain area of your home while you're manifesting that thing or brainstorming about something? Absolutely. I love it. That's one of the very first steps that you could do is simply spend time in that space because you're going to activate it. And then if you're like, oh, I don't want to go in that room that's really telling a lot about how not only you feel about that room, but what, which area of life is that room correlated to? And how are you feeling about that area of your life? And if you don't like it or you're not comfortable with it, what I like about feng shui is you can actually sort of tackle your problems in a tangible way, right? Like you can clean out the garage or you can clean out a closet and you will see physically the shifts and ultimately what's going to happen is you'll have interior shifts and things will move in your life and you'll get unstuck. So, And how important is it to keep a clean space or regularly clean out your space? Is that part of feng shui as well? You know, my, my um, theory on this is shifting a little bit. The third, so it's so funny because we naturally sort of talked about what I have determined are the three steps of feng shui. Step one is to get your hands on the bagel map and on, lay it on your floor plan so you understand which areas correlate to which areas of life. Step two, apply the elements. And then that third step of feng shui is to clean and declutter. And I believe in daily rituals of, you know, cleaning off the countertops, you know, putting the dishes away before you go to bed, because I do believe that if we are neglectful in some areas of our home, we're also being neglectful in some areas of our life. And yet there's this difference between, like if you were to look at my desk right now, it's not extremely perfect. I have a you know pile of books over here. I've got my, like I've got wires everywhere because I'm set up. And that's creative clutter in a sense. And we're living beings. And so I think, you know, we all have a different tolerance, 
but whenever this is kind of why I really love to clean around a new moon or a full moon because essentially it keeps me on these two week cycles of like a mini new year, a mini new beginning. So that when we are at the new year, it's not like, oh my gosh, I have to do a deep clean in my whole house because I haven't cleaned for a year. I'm maintaining. So vacuuming, dusting, opening the windows, all of those things are going to move the energy and it really will be healthy for your home and for your life. And we have a full moon coming up on Friday. We have the astrological new year starting on Sunday. So really a great time that we're talking about this if you're trying to bring in fresh energy. But honestly, everything you're saying, it really seems like just comes back to intention. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of spiritual people talking about like, yeah, cleaning your home is a ritual for the full moon because it, it's going back to that intention of, you know, I'm sending out a signal to the universe, God, spirit, whoever, that I'm ready for an upgrade. I'm ready, I'm making space for something new to come in. Absolutely, and that's when you can also add a little, like for a full moon, I just felt like, I think it's time to add a little sage or Palo Santo, do a little act, extra clearing for the, that time. I just think it, it does help clear energy. And if you're not into that, you can literally clear with sound. You could just walk throughout your house in a clockwise direction with a chime. Or I was I was appalled. When I was on HGTV, I um, was clapping along the walls because if you clap along the walls down to up, you're gonna break up the energy and clear it. And I remember telling the producers, I was like, can you not like put this on TV? Because I always feel like I look so silly, but course it made you know made the segment and I was like all right whatever it is what it is but we always have our hands that's what my teacher Lori Polly would say and so you can do little space clearing every day really it's and just kind of break up the energy and like you asked me about my classroom when my students weren't in the classroom I would you know break up the energy with either my hands by clapping a wind chime or even some I'm spraying it right now, some sage spray. So you don't have to like burn stuff all the time if you don't like how it smells. So there's something to all of it. And it again, it's all just like working with what you have. And yeah, I, there's so many resources too. Um, and so many different studies, so many different practices, but really at the root of everything, when I was thinking about this episode, it just, it all comes back to intention. You know, when I started opening myself up to studying astrology, again, it was just me like being intentional about, okay, I want to understand myself and other people better. And it had such a domino effect over the course of several years of just totally awakening me to so many different things. So how has your study of feng shui opened you up to different forms of spirituality? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin because honestly, I'm a little bit taken aback to like where my life has evolved since I started feng shui 10 years ago. Um, you know, working with the Astro Twins, was one of the first biggest dreams that sort of manifested for me because I remember when I first had my daughter, Abby, who's seven, my husband surprised me with their book called Momstrology. And it helps you understand how your astrology correlates with your child. And I subscribed to their emails and I've been getting like weekly horoscopes from the Astro Twins, the astrologers of Elf for years and then somehow we ended up working together and then i got on hgtv and so i know you asked how it's helped me evolve my my spirituality essentially you know you you mentioned that i have this taurus north node and i have all this scorpio in my chart and part of me like i just interviewed dr wayne dyer's daughters today on my podcast and david g meditation and i'm just these are people who i have been listening to for years on Hay House Radio and reading their books and now I'm talking to them. So my journey is just beginning, I guess you could say. I, I more readily say yes to investing in myself. Like I took Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass. I recently invested in a life coach who works with Deepak Chopra. Like I, I actually sometimes don't even know what's happening, but everything like feng shui is it doesn't happen overnight. I've been doing this for 10 years, but 
every year I can look back and say it helps you to expand exponentially and you just continue to see doors open that you didn't even know really existed in the first place. So it's just kind of exciting and definitely a spiritual experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So I love to end all of these conversations with an Oracle card poll, see what message needs to come through. Um, I just got Rebecca Campbell's new deck, the Rose Oracle. So it felt very feng shui, very balanced. I figured we'd pull from this. But as I'm getting ready and shuffling, I'm going to bring up your website and your Instagram handle. And I would love for you to tell people how they can work with you um, and what you have coming up. I know you have a workshop coming up. I don't know if you still have um, spaces. Well, I have to check my phone because it will tell me if, if it's sold out or not. So sorry. But yeah. Um, you can find me at christinahollinger.com. And what I would love for anyone who's watching is just to get the free Feng Shui 101 guide. It's a really nice introduction. I give you three short videos to help explain the three steps of Feng Shui that essentially helped me to change my life. And then, of course, I'm mostly on Instagram. Like, I know there's other Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff, but I, I tend to go on Instagram mostly. So you can find me there. If you're local to Chicago, I would love to have you at my next event. It's called the Windy City Experience. And I'm giving the participants their personalized feng shui portfolio. So I'll give you suggestions for every room in your home and help you to align your desires and dreams with your reality. But it's also an event. So there's um, four participants. We're going to have charcuterie board delights and um, I'm going to open it up with a guided meditation. And the funnest part about this is um, Ari from HGTV Windy City Rehab also worked on this home. It's a historical landmarked home, and it's just two doors down from one of the Windy City Rehab properties that Allison did in season one. So it's a very Windy City rehab experience in, in some ways. So if you're local to Chicago, I'd love to have you there. <laughs> Amazing. And you have a podcast. I'll pull up your Instagram too so people can see all of the fun content that you're putting out there. Um, I know that you do lots of like reels, like I said, and it's just nice little um, quick tips really that, you know what I mean? That just kind of like little things to think about. I feel like people like little bite-sized nuggets, you know? Yes, thank you for saying that. I feel like Reels saved me because uh, if you haven't noticed, I feel like I have so much to say <laughs> about feng shui that, you know, the fact that Reels cuts you off at one minute, it was like perfect. It's like, it really makes me um, kind of condense what I'm trying to share. And I appreciate the feedback because to be honest, I've created a lot of Reels, a couple hundred probably. And every time I'm like, this is the last one. I'm not doing this anymore. But I'll keep doing it with feedback like that, I guess, you know. Keep sharing. I absolutely love it. I love all of the content you put out. I love the energy you put out for sure. Um, and I, I will keep following along. I need to feng shui some things in my life. So <laughs> I'm here for the Send content. Send me pictures. Even Yeah, I would love to see anything that you work on. This is so cool. I really like well, what you're doing here. This is fun. Thank you. That's the goal. That's the goal. Okay, are you ready for your card poll? I'm ready. All right, what do we need to know? Ooh. Okay, we got the card Lineage of the Rose, Moved by the Goddess, Here for This, Soul Call, Gather. Actually, one of uh, my friends pulled this card not too long ago. It's a good card. Here, I'll read the description. Mm. These times, these changing divisive times, your soul chose to be here right now for this. You're part of a collective team led by the goddess, by the mother of us all to reweave the thread of the rose back into the tapestry of humanity, to make spaces where all people feel cherished and safe, to heal and be healed from the destructive patterns of patriarchy, to be part of the return of the goddess to the earth. If you've been doubting your path, you're being called to look within and trust the whispers and weavings from caverns deep. The way of the mystic rose is walked by few and known by heart, not mind. Try not to overthink, rather trust the threads that are woven deep. 
This card contains within it a confirmation of the inner call and a reassurance that you are not alone in it. The mother of us all thanks you for being part of these changing times for humanity. She acknowledges your devotion to doing your best to support yourself and others in the journey back home to themselves, to each other, and to the earth. She wants you to know that she is available to guide you every step of the way. Speak, sing, and dance with her. You are led, you are led, you are led. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's also yes. a symbol for my grandmother, too. She's sneaky. She's been showing up on all, everything I've been doing. She's showing me signs today. Wow. She, yeah, you said you saw an angel number right before you popped on to the live stream. And uh -huh. um, this Oracle deck is really beautiful. I, this, I'm not sponsored by Rebecca Campbell. I just love all of her decks like everybody else. And um, this one's brand oh. new. So. Highly recommend. Fantastic. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, I would love to see that. That's really cool. Really, really nice. Thank you for doing that. I love angel cards. So right up my alley. <laughs> yes. Well, I know we just touched the tip of the iceberg on feng shui, but I really appreciate you joining me and giving people a little bit of insight about where to start with feng shui. Of course, you have so many resources on your website, on Instagram for people who want to dive a little deeper. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Any last comments before we part ways today? I just want to say thanks for everyone who tuned in today. I think if you're still here and you've been listening for this long, that you were meant to get this message. So I'm grateful that we've been connected. Well, I am grateful to you for joining me. I'm grateful to our audience for showing up for themselves today, for showing up for this community today. And I'm just so grateful to be here and having these conversations. So I will see you right back here next week for a new episode of The Spiritual Journalist. Thank you again, Christina. This was such a fun conversation. And until I see you next time, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Transits Today, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Head over to The Spiritual Shop on our website and buy yourself a little something. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.